Christmas season coming up, and you know, talking about the Jesus' birth and um, just the life that Jesus can give to us um, if we come and be saved by Him. <clears throat> Many times, this uh, basic work is the very first thing a Christian does when he's saved, both in Scripture um, and in today's uh, today's world as well. It is also the last command verbally given to man by Jesus. If we go to our text, let's go to Matthew 28, verse 18, which I'm sure um, some of you guys are familiar with already. Last section in the book of Matthew. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Let's go to our prayer. Dear Lord, gracious and heavenly Father, I just thank you for the opportunity I get to share your word uh, with these people here tonight. Lord, I just pray that um, everyone's hearts will be receptive tonight and that um, we'll all take from your word what we need, um, what we need to do as, uh, as our responsibility as Christians uh, to carry out the gospel, Lord. And I just pray you'd convict our hearts of that and uh, just keep, the, keep that in our, in our minds uh, through this Christmas season. Lord, I love you. In your holy and precious name I pray. Amen. So if you guys are familiar, if you guys have probably realized already, um, this uh, elementary Christianity is reaching out to the lost. Our theme for 2018 was reaching out. I have a question for you guys. Have you been reaching out? So what I have for you today are two reasons to soul win, to lead others to the Lord. The first of which I've put down is power. And you can see that in the uh, beginning, or towards the, in, towards the beginning of the passage, but at the end of verse 18, where it says, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. What this power first gives us is a confidence. We can reach out to others knowing that God's power is on our side. We can't do anything without God's power. In Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew Jew first and also to the Greek. The gospel has the power and is available to everyone that receives it and believes in, in Jesus Christ. God works through us when we are open to using his power. In Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 8, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life life everlasting. If we reap, if we sow um, to the Spirit, we'll get back from the Spirit. And last semester, um, the Lord just taught me so much of this semester. And the biggest lesson, the overarching theme of my whole semester was that I literally can't do anything without God's power. And there's many instances, many testimonies I can give of how God taught me that. 
One, but one, for example, was through an opportunity I had through, through the semester to lead a parks ministry um, at the college. What a parks ministry is, we go out and we knock doors and invite families with kids to come over to a park every Saturday morning. And in the park, we hold games, skits, uh, snacks, games, uh, such like that, along with a gospel message at the end. And... Um, and I actually got to lead this park, which is, is my uh, first big leadership role um, working in the college. And so there was a lot of pressure on, pressure on me and uh, just really want to get this done. And we started out um, good during the semester. Um, we had about seven to ten kids come to the park every week. But um, we began to realize that the, all, the, all the kids that are coming in weren't coming back. And so we kept on getting new kids. Then after a while, we actually sort of transitioned into only kids that came regularly came. So there's not really any kids coming. And throughout the whole time, like every week, I just pray to the Lord, God, like, please bring more kids to the park. Please bring more kids to the park. And it seemed that, and nothing was changing. And we ended up going down to about three kids a park, like three to five kids a park. Um, and they're all kids that came there before. So we weren't really reaching out uh, to new kids. And some of them, uh, you know, many, many um, kids during the park got saved and were led to the Lord, which pray, praise the Lord for that. Um, but like, some of these kids were already saved and they're already in the park. And we need to reach out to new kids, um, bring new kids um, to the gospel. And so that, so after the park, after one park, I, I was just, I didn't know what to do. I was trying everything I could. And I just, I prayed to the Lord. I said, God, just, I know it's your will for whatever happens in the park. I know it's by your power, nothing that I can do. Um, so just, so God, I just lay it, I just give it to you. And God, whatever happens, happens. I know it's your will. The very next park, we had 14 kids come to the park. And just praise the Lord for that. And we, like, honestly, we... Uh, none of the kids were led, uh, like made of a confession of faith that day, but I know that um, through the message, the kids got a seed planted in the hearts that we could reach out to them later. <clears throat> and there was in uh, one testimony given um, through the pastor at the church at uh, my college. Um, this is a man suffering from cancer, and he just had a great spirit about the condition he was in. Uh, one quote he said, it really hit my heart. God's responsibility is the outcome. Our responsibility is our obedience. We, have, when we need to just obey the Lord and depend on what he can do in our lives. We can't be frustrated with ourselves when things don't go exactly as we planned. We just need to go and obey, obey the Lord, obey what God has given us through his word, and just keep going and depend on God for the results. And that's what, our faith, that's what our faith is all about. And faith isn't a faith of no works. It's a faith of works depending on God to give us the results of those works. And God's power can do that for, um, can do that for us when we reach out to others. The second thing that God's power gives us, first it gives us confidence, but then it also gives us responsibility. And you guys have heard many times, with great power comes responsibility. And that can become cliche or dry if we hear it too many times, but it really does. There is more to reaching to others than during your daily routine, for example. 
Well, we should be ready to share the gospel at all times. It says in 1 Peter 3.15, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. We are, we are supposed to um, be ready to share the gospel whenever we are in our daily lives. But God, in the Bible many times, has also commissioned us to go out and reach people with the gospel, not necessarily through our work time, just our work time, but through times that we commit some time to reach others to the Lord. In Acts 1.8, But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and to Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Mark 16.15, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. <clears throat> God has given us a responsibility with this power. God says, hey, I got this power. You have, you can do what I tell you to do with my power. We have that confidence. But God tells us we, we must do it. We need to be doing everything that God commands us. This includes soul winning. In John 15, uh, verse 16, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. And just a little thought on um, bringing fruit that remains. While we should go out soul winning and lead others to the Lord, we should also be cultivating from that fruit that we get and teaching them about the Bible, about um, being in church, so that they can soul win themselves. And if we do that, Say if uh, everyone in this church had a goal to lead one person to the Lord and teach them about what, what God tells us to do, about his word and how to reach others to the Lord, then with that, we would have, ideally we'd have twice as many people. But there are going to be some people who don't, um, who don't come, like, you know, they, get, they, fall, they fall through the cracks, whatever. But we'll, we'll get more. Then if our goal for the next year is to, for everyone to do the same thing. We can see an exponential growth in a church. And this is, how, this is how churches grew in the New Testament era and how churches can grow today. Um, as an illustration, uh, let's think of a piano. So you have a piano here. It has many keys on the keyboard. Some Christians say, well... I'm good at reading my Bible every day. Okay, that's one note. And see, like many times in uh, God's word and uh, through messages that I've heard, um, there's been a comparison between God being a person and us being an instrument of the Lord. And God works through us in that way. So say one key, okay, I'm good at reading my Bible. Uh, another key, uh, you know, I, I help people when they seem lost and don't know where to go. Okay, that's another note. But some of us, some of us hold back many things in our lives and some keys become out of tune or they simply don't work or we, or we won't let God press those notes. God wants to not just play certain notes, but he wants to create a musical masterpiece out of our lives. It's not, when we, when we talk about, okay, well, I pray for other people. I, uh, you know, when, when someone asks me about the Lord, you know, I'm ready to give them an answer. Those are certain things in a Christian's life. They don't encompass everything that a Christian does. 
And God wants us to do all things for him and try our best at every area of our lives to grow in our relationship with him. And if we, if we do that, God can make a musical masterpiece out of us. It's not about certain notes that we can be uh, proud of in a sense. It's about everything that we can do for the Lord. And none of us are perfect. None of us have every single note in the piano done right. And God wants to use every note in our piano, so to speak. If God's power is greater than the power of sin, say, for example, we have Torrington right next to us. Why are Torrington and other cities filled with sin? If we have this power, well, why aren't, why, why aren't they being influenced by the power? The simple question, the simple answer that can be given is that they are not being witnessed to, or not being witnessed to enough. And it is our responsibility to reach them. God plants churches in areas to reach them for the gospel. And that's what Paul did, planting churches in several areas uh, along his missionary journey. He's planting churches where churches could reach out to others. Paul liked to go into cities and preach the word and to see that are concentrated with people. That's because there's a lot of people there. And churches, the church's responsibility is to reach out to others in their area. And sometimes we can get into the habit of saying, well, oh, this world is, this world is gone into sin, and it's because the church, we talk about the church as like, you know, universal people. That's because Christians have not been reaching out, um, give them the gospel. Well, we can say that, well, where were you? Were you preaching the gospel? If we are the only ones, if, if this church is one of the only churches uh, that preaches the gospel in this area, why are we not sharing with the gospel? Uh, why aren't we sharing the gospel with others nearby us? We have this word, and we have this responsibility to give others the gospel. In Matthew 16, verse 18, And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, it's, I love the way the Bible uses imagery and just its language in general. It's pretty perfect, if you ask me. But in terms of gates of hell, have you guys ever seen a gate walk up to you with a spear and chase you? No, and I haven't either. Have gates ever uh, crossed the road when you're trying to go, well, maybe moving doors of gates, but not gates themselves. A gate is not an offensive um, piece. It's a defensive piece. It says, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, will not prevail against the church. The gates of hell aren't attacking us. We need to be attacking the gates of hell itself. While it's our responsibility, say, if you think of the armor of God, we, um, it's mostly encompassed with armor and just one sword. Our defense, what we should be defending against is the sin that goes into our lives. We should be defending against those that stay righteous with the Lord. The way we should be attacking is leading others to the Lord so that they can defend against those sins themselves. And, you know, it just turns out that God's plan works. That's how, God, that's how God's plan works, and that's the, way it, that's the way it prevails. When the time will come for you to hand in your crowns, we will all go, we'll all see, uh, we'll be at the judgment seat, and we'll be able to hand in crowns, the crowns of what we did here on earth. We'll be able to present them to the Lord. What are we going to say when we are going to hand those crowns to the Lord? Are we going to be, are we, how much have we done for the Lord? And, uh, 
And just listen, and this is in Psalm 40, verse 9 through 10. Just listen to this and see if this is something that you'd be able to testify when you talk with the Lord. I've preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained my lips, O Lord. Thou knowest, I have not hid my righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. Is that a testimony you can give to the Lord when you see him? We have that responsibility. Because of God's power, we have the responsibility to go out and reach to others. And that gives, and we also have that confidence. We know if we go out, that God will give us that power to do so. It may, the, the results may not turn out right away, but if we stay faithful, we can count on God for the results. And while it's good, like I said before, in uh, the first, that first Peter passage, well, it's good to be always ready while you're going out through your daily routine. Are you going out of your way to reach these people that are lost? And this is where I'm going to go to my next reason for soul winning. First reason is the power that we have. The second is love. First of all, there's a love for God. God wants to use you for his will, to, to develop his relationship with you. Soul winning is an essential part to that. And uh, so now I'm in a, like, kind of like a half long distance relationship with my girlfriend. I get to see her, and sometimes I don't. There's a long distance relationship there. And I'm sure many of you guys have long distance relationships, not necessarily like boyfriend, girlfriend, but like someone you've been in contact with, like over the phone or email, whatever. You can testify that it can, there can be some challenges communicating in that fashion. And the reason why I mention this is our relationship with the Lord depends on us um, interacting with him and working with him. See, a big difference between a long-distance relationship and a close relationship is that we get to do things with that person that we're with. And when we have that long-distance relationship, that hinders that. And if we don't do things like soul winning and reaching out others, uh, reaching others to the Lord, we are not working with the Lord to reach others. See, we can communicate with God through prayer and word in um, God's word, but we are, we are hindering a lot of what a relationship can be with the Lord if we don't reach out to others. <clears throat> our focus in our lives should be on the things of God rather than of the world. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. In 1 John 2, 15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. While we should have um, while we should have a concern for the world, which I'm going to go to on next, while we should have a concern for others, we should not be loving the things of the world. If we, anything, idolatry is anything that you put in priority over God. If there's anything that you put over in priority of God and doing what God wants you to do, that's idolatry. If, if God convicts your heart, hey, talk to that person that you just saw walking across the street and you don't do it, it's a, well, I'm late to work. Work is now the idolatry. You're now worshiping work, work the work, of like your, whatever you're getting paid salary, over, what, over God himself. And so, I have the, so I've presented this love, there's love for God, but then there's also love for others. We need to not only have a burden for what is going on in our lives, but also have a burden for what is going on in other people's lives. 
And while there, you can almost see this as like a three-step uh, fashion. There's, well, first, the person that's all about himself. Okay, oh, okay, only me, me, me. And like, you know, people, people walk by, it's like, okay, whatever. I need to pay attention to you and it's all about me. Second is like, okay, I'm thinking about me. There's some things about myself. I see a person who, that we see is having a hard time with something. Okay, here, let me help this person. But then there's a third thing. There's a knowledge that we have of people in general out in the world. And we go out and, may, and schedule our lives to reach to them. See, God's word tells us about the lostness and just the desperate need of the gospel in his word. And, he, and it's not just in our lives, not just in our workplace. It's everywhere. And all around our mile radius, our miles radius, there's, there's a world that needs the gospel. If we could turn to Second uh, Peter chapter 2, we'll go into verse 12. And when I read this passage, just think of the people in your workplace that are in the world. Think of the people that, when you're driving by, say, in Torrington, the people that walk around and you just see their condition. Think about these people when you're listening to this passage or in reading it. But these, as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not. And speaking evil things that they understand not, there's a lot of cussing. There's a lot of bad things that people say. that They don't even know what they're saying. And shall utterly perish in their own corruption. And, you know, you all know from God's word that the wages of sin is death. And shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they, as they that time, spots they are and blemishes, sporting with their own deceivings while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin. You know, enough said about having the eyes full of adultery and also cannot cease from sin. These people are trapped in sin and they can't get out. And these people want to know how to get out. And I'm sure you've, you've had conversations with people if, uh, if people know, if people even know that you're a Christian in the workplace, I'm sure they've talked about, talked to you about um, some sin in their life that they have. And <clears throat> these people are trapped and they don't know what to do because they don't have God's word in their lives. They really don't know what to do. And who are we to keep God's word and not present it to other people? And cannot cease from sin beguiling unstable souls and heart that have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children. And these, these covetous practices, these people, they're lost in God's world and they're just looking for things to satisfy themselves. But they can't satisfy themselves with anything. They're just aimlessly lost. And they're just, they're just trying to satisfy themselves with something. And cursed children. And then from these families their children, so on and so forth, are cursed from that. And 
So children, as you guys, many of you guys know that children brought under these families that don't have the Bible, that's all they know. All they know is a life without the Bible in sin. And, and again, who are we to keep the, the Bible from them? Which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozar, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. And these people, all they can love is this unrighteousness. That's all, that's all they can love. They can't love anything else. This sin traps them, corrupts their heart, and all they can do is just wallow in their dirt and their unrighteousness. What else are they supposed to do when they don't have God's word? And these people will die forever if they are not witnessed to. Let's go to Romans 10, verse 14. Another passage I'm sure you guys are familiar with. If having the responsibility of God's power is not enough, or not even loving God is enough, can't you love other people? In verse 14, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How and how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? So how are these people who are in sin, how are they supposed to call on the Lord and believe in him if they, if they haven't even heard the gospel? If they, they don't even have a chance. And how, at the end of verse 14, and how shall they hear without a preacher? And in terms of, the, in terms of this context, we're all preachers of God's word. We all have this power and responsibility to share the gospel with other people. We all, have, we all have this responsibility to share the gospel. We have this power. If we move on in the beginning of verse 15. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Guys, we have this incredible, incredible good news that we have for these people. How beautiful are the feet that go out and see a world that needs to be reached for the gospel and reach them for the Lord. How beautiful is it? And so how, how shall these preachers go? How, should they, how, how will you guys preach the gospel if you're not sent? If you guys don't send yourself? If you're not sent over to get the gospel to other people? And again, at the end of verse 15, and bring glad tidings of good things. Guys, this is good, thing, this is good things for people. And the only reason these people won't accept the gospel, I think, is mostly because of their pride. But guys, this is good news that we're offering them. This is something positive that they have. Now, I, I don't remember when I heard this story, but I think it was either last semester or the semester before. I heard of an account in Florida where a dis disabled man drowned in a pond of water while he's being filmed by a group of teenagers um, just watching him drown. And this is, a, uh, this is a passage from an article from Newsweek. On July 9th, 2019, the group, aged between 14 and 18, stumbled upon Dunn, this is the man of the uh, disabled uh, man, 
in the water and began recording the video, as reported by New York Post. While none of the boys are pictured, you can hear them laughing and making fun of the man. Get out of the water. You're going to die, one of them said. We're not going to help you. You should have never got in there, someone else added, pointing out how Dunn had entered the pond while still wearing all of his clothes. One of the boys even appeared to be laughing, telling the group that he just died. The boys didn't report the incident right away. And instead, authorities were notified that Dunn was missing after his fiance filed a missing persons report, according to Florida Today. His body was found severely decomposed at the edge of the, at the, edge of the pond three days later on July 12th. Guys, we're witnessing a world that's dying. And it's going to hell, not just in a pond, but in a lake of fire for eternity. Some of us are content, prideful of our own lives, that, oh, how righteous are we, when it's only by God. How righteous are we compared to these sinners? And we just watch, we watch these people die. That's what we're doing. And if we believed enough, in the lake of fire, if we believed enough in what God's power can do, we would have a conviction in our hearts to reach them. Get out of the water. You're going to die. One of them said, we're not going to help you. You should have never gotten there. No, really. They should have never gotten there. One of the boys even appeared to be laughing, telling the group that he just died. Some of us will even joke about the sinful world. How callous must we be for the world around us, for us to laugh at other people's sin that condemns them to hell forever? Guys, we have the power to reach the gospel to everyone. We have the power, we have that power. Guys, do we have the love for the Lord? Do we have the love for others to do so? Now this Friday, I'm going to be going out. I'm going to be going out to Torrington and uh, knocking on doors. If you guys want to come with me, uh, let me know. Speak with me afterwards, and I can let you know about that. And I want, I want people to come with me.